getting in touch with your feelings. Uh, what does that mean to people? Because uh, that's uh, often said these days that we must get in touch with our feelings. And Because there's a, sometimes the, in the Western mind, the, we're quite good at following rituals or orders, disciplines, uh, ideas, ideals. We don't, sometimes we don't really know what we're feeling. We don't know how to, you know, we, we might, uh, have all kinds of good ideas and, views and opinions about things but and be quite committed to uh, the noblest efforts of liberation and enlightenment but not actually know how we're feeling or some people feel everything but they don't know how to interpret it they they feel uh, they, they pick up all kinds of things and feel a lot but they, they, they t- interpret it in a, in a way that it, makes them suffer. They get too sensitive or too into, and, and feel it and interpret it in a personal way. So in the Buddha Dhamma we're this is this isn't a just a cold hearted uh, teaching in which we're kind of deny, just dismissing feelings as impermanent and not self, or just regarding our feelings as irrelevant to our practice, or to uh, give feelings a kind of too much importance to where we, we uh, indulge and get lost in our feeling. Since the, uh, the Buddha established his teaching around mindfulness of the way things are, then then the way we're feeling is very much an important uh, reflection and, and and part of the path to be able to to put it in the context of of what it really is. This is a sense realm, sensitive realm, so we it is a realm of feeling. We have to feel from the time we're born to the time we die. Things in uh, contact this formation, impinge on it, and we feel it. But like many things, we get so used to we we we're afraid of this sensitivity because uh, we we know that a lot of uh, that which comes in, towards us is unpleasant and undesirable. So so the human mind tends to uh, try to get away from unpleasant, trying to uh, seek the pleasant. And so this, this is what they call the samsara, where the, the human individual is uh, in, just in this pattern of reaction, trying to deny or get rid of the unpleasant, when it, or uh, being frightened or terrified or anxious about the possibility of unpleasant experiences and feelings in, in some time in the future because of already having experienced them in the past. In the Paticca Samuppada, this uh, course, 
is a is a good way to reflect on this because uh, there's a kind of uh, gives the structure of of how this takes place like the the basic ignorance is uh, is I am uh, the body I am feelings I am the perceptions the sankaras and consciousness and so forth and uh, this assumption, this this identification, this attachment to the five khandhas always puts us in this state of of where we are uh, anxious and uh, and worried about possible unpleasantness even before it happened. In a realm of fear, it's interesting. Uh, some at the morning meeting the other day, somebody was asking him about babies, and and one of the monks answered that, saying that babies uh, they start seeking pleasure, seeking as pleasurable experience as many as, as as they can possibly manage, and and of course pleasure anything pleasurable is addictive. Pleasure, if you if you look at how it, at, at pleasurable sensations. Uh, uh, what or pleasure, pleasurable thoughts or experiences? They all the 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 addictive quality of pleasure is that we want more of it. So you have one taste, and it tastes uh, sweet and delicious. You want another, uh, and then after that you want another. So that that addiction is 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 the where when we keep wanting something and uh, trying to get more and more of something that we find pleasurable. And then, of course, a lot of our experience of life is unpleasant. Isn't it? The human situation is, so much of it is quite uh, uncomfortable, unpleasant, uh, can be quite painful. Uh, just the, the body itself, it's a, it's a study in, in pain and discomfort and uh, what can be quite disgusting and quite unpleasant in itself is our bodies are are a source of much displeasure, discomfort for us. So coming from a vicha, then the if I am this, then then there is a, a you know one feels a increasing desire to to seek pleasure. Or at least to get away from from what is unpleasant, wanting happiness, wanting all the the uh, security and and good fortune, wealth and and fame, and all these are, are offers a possibility of some kind of pleasure, some kind of security, and so the unawakened human being that, that is not aware of, of Dhamma, then we, we are merely caught into this avicca, and, um, and the process goes on. We wonder why, even, even when we get uh, what we want, why it is, uh, why we aren't happy, why it doesn't completely satisfy us, and why it doesn't take away our worries and anxieties. So the Buddha said the problem lies in the fact of this basic ignorance. 
this uh, this sense of oneself of, of being a this this human body and the and the conditions of the mind being a person being somebody and this means that we 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 attach to to the body and to the mental conditions the perceptions the feelings the thoughts the habits and what we 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 constantly think and and uh, we think about these as being me as we get older this uh, this becomes even more troublesome because um, we, we form a very strong sense of ourselves that is based on all kinds of experiences and comparisons isn't it in the competitive society we we always uh, uh, we're always comparing ourselves with somebody else and we have ideas and ideals of how things should be and how they shouldn't be and the realities of life uh, can be unnoticed and and uh, dismissed and ignored for a uh, hopefully getting something getting security getting what we want in the future and not being able to find any joy or peace or rest in the present So one can live one's whole life just on this, uh, and just following this, these habits that you develop when you're young, and they can just, uh, if they go unquestioned and uh, never reflected upon, then we just operate in that mode till we die, and get reborn again. Now the Buddhist teaching is one that uh, awakens the mind to to uh, to free oneself from the this basic delusion. And so, in our meditation, we're we're learning to say find that place or recognize recognize or realize that point of mindfulness, that place that we can rest in, where we can see things as they are. Where we can see the, the comings and goings, the rising and ceasings of the selves, our loves and hates, our fears, our worries, our anxieties. We can actually witness their, their presence and their absence. So this mindfulness is 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 a reflective ability to to note, to watch, to listen, to to discern the difference between uh, the actual uh, conditions of the moment and for what they are, and the tendency to attach and identify with the conditions. And it's a very um, subtle kind of balance point because it's easy to go to to interpret everything from the old uh, habits of self because what we're used to. 
So in, in the, on this retreat, the, they, they keep encouraging you to contemplate what is self and what isn't. Because this is this is this is the most important thing to know. What, when do you become somebody, and when are you not anyone? When is there grasping, clinging, and when is when when are when is when is it that there isn't any clinging or grasping? And so this is something that only you can see yourself, isn't it? It's, a, it's a, within the mind. And so mindfulness is, is uh, learning to, to say, a, a sustain attention and to recollect, to bring into consciousness, to, to notice to to mentally notice, observe the time, the place, the conditions, the body, the uh, the, uh, the the mood, the feelings, the thoughts, in terms of of what they really are, is that which is present now, and looking at it. No longer with interest in in regards to it and being personal, but in, at, in terms of dhamma, the way it is. So feelings and getting in touch with one's feelings is is a very important part of the practice to to recognize and to be able to to say look at to to consider and and hear and listen to to the, the what you're actually feeling the mood, the state of mind you're in. And so the mindfulness is, is where one is able to, to provide uh, that kind of attention. It's not, say, when we think and when, we, when we're caught up in, in uh, say, just concentrating the mind on an object, then, then we suppress feeling. We tend to Ignore, suppress, not notice, because all our attention is on something else. So, in the in the foundations of mindfulness, four foundations of mindfulness, this jitanupasana, the mint, the state of the mind, the mood of the mind, is an object for reflection. To be able to to see it for uh, as that. And that which can see, that which is aware, that which is mindful, is you, you, you contemplate that that which is aware of feeling is not is not the feeling. The feeling, the mood you're in, can be very personal. It can be uh, uh, seemingly uh, very much me, very much mine, very much what I am. That's how feelings are, aren't they? They're, Emotions and that—they're they're very convincing, very real for us in terms of their 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 kind of uh, impact on consciousness. 
You can say, I am you. I want, I need, I've got to, I must. This is absolutely essential. I'm hurt, I'm offended. You've shattered me, you've disappointed me. And all these things, these emotions can be going on, and they're very, uh, you know, very powerful and very convincing. But also, there is that in each one of us that can observe it. And sometimes this is, this is, you know, I've had experiences in my life where, well, I've been really uh, indulging in moods and and caught up in in. Uh, Things like self-pity. I used to like to feel sorry for myself. And I remember, the, you know, going through periods where I kind of wallow in this self-pity, and then something, some inner voice would say, oh, stop it, being silly. Now, where did that come from? And yet the self-pity had all the, all the uh, you know, certainly a highly developed in, uh, habit of of feeling I am this person who uh, this is being who feels sorry for himself and yet behind all that there's something that that knew that this was uh, that this was just being uh, indulgent wasn't being real it was was just uh, following was, would like to wallow in in the sense of one's feeling that life had not been exactly all that fair or just to to me. Being offended by things, the way people say things, or you can always you can tell if some you know if you're you're very attached to your position, and uh, and then somebody uh, doesn't respect your position, you can feel offended. And, and, you realize I'm I'm a senior monk, and you can't treat me like that because uh, you're supposed to respect me. You know, I would never say that. You know, I'm too proud to say say that. <laughs> I just sit on it. I say you don't have to respect me. <laughs> But then there's also the feeling of being offended, if not respected. And then there's, but there's something that can observe that feeling of being offended. Then there's, uh, that can contemplate that very feeling. Sometimes you feel it right in here, you know, your heart or in your guts. You can feel really, feel various emotions. So that's the thing to trust is the. Is the uh, is that which that's your refuge? Is that which can observe it? Mm. Refuge is not in being a senior monk. That is, believe me, it's not worth attaching to, or uh, being a teacher, or being uh, older, or or even being is a. I'm only an anagarika. That can be a refuge. Or I'm nobody. I'm just an ordinary guy. You know, I'm really nobody. That can other be another 
another uh, kind of identity that, that one is attached to and one takes refuge in. I'm not like Ajahn Zamed who thinks he's, he's a big monk, happened in the monastery and all that. I'm, I'm just satisfied with being an ordinary Anagarika. It's still a kind of conceit, isn't it? And then ordinary Anagarikas can get offended if they're not respected and not their, their sensitivities aren't considered and they're not treated properly, they can feel offended too. This doesn't mean that, that we should go around insulting or offending each other just to, to give each other things to practice with. We do have a, a system of etiquette which we all should try to respect and follow. But inevitably, uh, we are, if, you know, but we can get addicted to that. We can expect, we can expect life to be, uh, you know, that, that life should respect us because that's what the Vinaya says. Well, that's what the tradition is. But those moments where we where we do we we are suffering or we upset or we feel hurt or misunderstood are moments where they we take the time we have this this encouragement to observe to take the position of the of that which is the one who is aware of this rather than than either indulging in the feeling or suppressing it. Now this is. Um, mindfulness is puts us in a kind of transcendent relationship to the condition. Mindfulness isn't a condition; it's not something uh, that you create, but it's the, it's the, the so it's not something that you can grasp. You can't grasp mindfulness. You can grasp the idea that you should be mindful, but that's me. I'm I'm somebody who who should be mindful. I can. I can get hold of that one and then always feel despair when I don't feel I'm being mindful enough or I'm not being mindful. I feel despair with myself but I'm grasping that I have a, a view about what mindfulness is and then I, I'm holding to that view. And that's not, because I'm not mindful of that, of the grasping of a view. So then mindfulness can only be the state where the where one is say the a paying attention to the way things are. To what your heart's saying, to what your guts are saying, to what the uh, the body is like, and what the the time, the the place is. The atmosphere, the environment, the vibes. Mindfulness means that we can we can say that with the the, the four foundations as a, as a kind of reference point, uh, something to to, uh, to to know how to use that that teaching, satipatthana, so that that we you know we say the body for example. So when we're mindful, we can we can actually uh, know what's happening in the body. What it feels like, if it's hot or cold, if it's uh, where there's tensions, where there's touch, where there's pressures, where there's pleasure, pain, where there's tingling, where there's a subtle sensation, 
But so mindfulness means that we, the body is, is in our consciousness. It's an object, it's a foundation, it's something that we can contemplate. We don't have to look at it with our eyes, we can, we can feel it, it becomes conscious when we open, when we open the mind and start noticing just the, the, the posture that it's in or the breath or the, all the uh, feelings of it, the sensations the tensions in it. With Vedana, we can observe the 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 the, the uh, sensitive state of pleasure, pain, and neutral ex, uh, experience through the senses. We can contemplate the fact of, of, of the feeling of the power of attraction or repulsion through through the uh, sense organs. So even though we, we feel maybe attracted to something, we can also contemplate that attraction. We can we can recognize that we can we can consider it, ponder and, and notice that being attracted or being repelled, what it's like being neither attracted nor repelled through the senses, through the states of mind, the mood, whether it's, whether we're feeling happy or sad or fulfilled or destitute or contented or discontented, whatever, this, these are moods can be observed. So, and then the, the tamanupasana, a mental object, that which is aware of everything as an object, that all the, the, the all that is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. The whole, uh, say the the uh, the physical, the all the mental conditions is then seen in the in the sense of oneself. One's conceit, one's uh, emotions, one's uh, habits are then seen in this in this in this uh, category of dhamma, the mental objects. So, what is an object is is then seen. That even the self view is an object. Then, even the the emotions, uh, the self-pity, the the feeling of, a, of being offended, the the me and mine, the whole lot is seen as an object, seen as dhamma. What is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. And that purity of knowing, that purity of of mindful, intelligent knowing the way things are. As I've said many times, you can't get beyond that. You can't, uh, you can't know the knower. You can't know the knowing. There is the, there is this. It's like this. And it's not a person. It's not a. It has. It is not anything that we can grasp, 
I mean, when we try to name it, or, and that, then it becomes an object again. As long as we're trying to to uh, to get it, to name it, to to hold it, to grasp it, to to really understand it through definition, and then, then whatever we name it, whatever we perceive it, it's not that. So that's why the attitude, say, is one of, say, opening, uh, contemplating, uh, relaxing. The mind is relaxed. It's at ease. It's not. It's not trying to get anything or resist anything. Say, we're not. We're not trying to resist evil and get happiness. But the but the mind is. Resting, it's 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 peaceful and it's and it's relaxed. So then, it sees things in in that way of what is dhamma. There is this 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 intelligent knowing of things as they really are. So when the Buddha, when this his teaching is described as the elephant's footprint, it's a interesting metaphor, because this kind of uh, approach, of course, includes everything. I mean, all conventions, all formations, everything, anything that we can possibly think of or experience in this form as a human individual. All culture, all religions, all conventions, all realms of existence, the Brahma realms and the Deva realms in, in the Buddhist cosmology are then objects of the mind rather than states that one is, is, is trying to become. Very interesting, isn't it? Where, where being born in, in a radiant realm of Brahma, which sounds very nice, that to be to spend 84 billion eons just radiating light with just blissful radiations for 84 quadrillion eons. Might as well make it as long as we can. Of just bliss forever, for eternity. But of course, eternity is 84 quadrillion eons. In terms of, of uh, because it's still a condition, isn't it? It's still, it's still an object. It's still a, a dhamma. What is what begins and so you realize that the Buddha is pointing to this this amata dhamma, this amatapadam, this immortal, this transcendence into immortality, the immortal. Awakenness. In which the, the, the objects are seen. The, the mortal objects are then recognized in terms of Dhamma. And 
Now, applying this to just a, a human individual experience and personal experience, you know, each one of us has our karma, the kind of character and habits and the way things happen to us, which can be extreme or can be just nothing much at all. And some people experience all kinds of um, extreme uh, and mental, emotional experiences, and other people just have nothing much happening. Just a little anxiety, worry, uh, little things here and there, uh, kind of depression or or upset stomach or bad memories or whatever. But and other people have uh, their karma seems to produce all kinds of interesting phenomena for them. But, but that's not the point. It's not whether it's, it's, it's just mediocre uh, and, and dreary stuff, or it's uh, the most uh, fascinating scenarios, uh, melodramas and, and extravaganzas of the emotions. We're looking at it in terms of knowing what it is as an object, recognizing it seeing it, bearing with it, not judging it, not not making any comments about it, but just accepting it for what it is. The knower of the world, seeing it in terms of what is subject to arising is subject to ceasing and is not self. So in practice, you know, like in a say meditation hall and that, and, or in your rooms or wherever you're practicing, this, this uh, you know, don't try to to kind of make too much of this, but learn how to to just say pay attention, even if it's just for a few seconds. The problem with many of us is that we grasp the ideas and then we try so hard that we we, we kind of pay attention and then we, we're so we're so trying so hard to pay attention we don't see we're grasping the idea of mindfulness or that we should be we should be mindful and we should pay attention. So that's why it's moment by moment more this is a very humbling uh, meditation is very humbling because we can't make it uh, happen just out of the wanting to, to, to because according to the way we understand it and want it to happen. We have to learn how to humbly learn from just, uh, just very simple and from, from failure, from, from disappointment. Interesting, though, just the perception of time, because I've contemplated past, uh, present, future perceptions for so long now, and maybe it's the age I am, but uh, thinking, you know. I was giving a talk the night before last at this same time, and now that's it's completely vanished. I hardly remember it. 
And now this, this talk's nearly over. It'll just vanish into the void. Tomorrow I'm going to go back to my little kuti and go through the same routines then be here in the morning for the chanting and like we were here this morning for this time it's gone now. All this 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 passage of time is zipping by, zooming by. And yet that's all how it's always has been, and yet I don't remember feeling it so strongly as this. I remember thinking not thinking in terms of it, it always seemed like one was looking forward to something in the future, or there always seemed to be something like your your mind was creating. Uh, you had certain kind of attitudes that uh, that gave a sense of kind of more solidity and stability to the conditioned realm. You believed in the conditioned realm. You didn't question it. It was reality for you, so you didn't really notice what it was, what was really happening, or what it was like. You just you just uh, went along with it, and, and never never looked closely, but the mind was always thinking about the next thing. And with mindfulness, in the, where you, you are breaking down the, the illusory uh, quality of, uh, of the uh, conditioned realm, then it it has this kind of very ephemeral, very uh, rapidly changing, never the same. Then I was thinking how, you know, the walking meditation this afternoon, thinking, you know, the Romans built that road out in front. St. Margaret's Lane, they say it was a Roman road. I think 2,000 years ago, so maybe there are a bunch of Romans here in this very spot that I'm walking meditation in. A lot of Roman, uh, probably they had the, the British building the roads. <laughs> the natives, but I think Romans were. From, from Rome, where making it happen, and then uh, Queen Elizabeth I was supposed to have spent uh, time at Ashridge. She's probably she's probably travelled on this road, Saint Margaret's Lane, on her way to Ashridge. That was what five hundred years ago. I'm sure when Queen Elizabeth I was alive, she her life was also just a very significant. Uh, matter of uh, being an important person and having to deal with all kinds of intrigues and political, social, economic problems that were happening at that time. But now gone, all disappeared. Just memories. A thousand years from now, after we build this temple, Think these these big round uh, balls out by the swimming pool. We sink them into the ground, and these balls there under the ground. A thousand years from now, and we build the temple so it can last a thousand years, so that 
For what? <laughs> the sense of time, isn't it? And I think the Buddha lived 2,500 years ago. And then they've discovered some caves, recent discoveries in France and the Ardish. Where there are caves that are, that have this, this artwork in them of, of prehistoric, uh, humans, uh, these kind of animal, paint beautiful pictures of uh, animals and, and woolly rhinoceroses and animals that you don't, would never think could have ever lived in France. <laughs> That's 20,000 years ago. 20,000 years ago. And so, our little span on this stage is very, very brief and very fleeting. But as you observe, the, the, uh, this the self, the sense of self, the conditioned self of me and my thing, but that is also, that's just fleeting kind of feeling of, and yet we believe in it, don't we, as, as I am some kind of permanent soul, uh, myself, me, as, a, as, as this person is the assumption, the, the, the belief that, that it is a kind of, there's something there, some some essential thing that's truly me. And yet, when you when you go to investigate it, you can't find anything that you can say is truly me. So then, the refuge isn't in 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 uh, in ideas of of me or the soul or of God or anything like that, but in in this pure state of conscious knowing that is possible for us, a mindfulness. That's the refuge. That's the that's the point of that you can rest in, that is safe, that is that will never disappoint you. Where all disappointments can be seen as Dhamma. Where all feelings have been offended and being somebody or what is is seen for what it is and and no longer empowered with belief, identification, attachment. So the, the clues are the awakened one, the Buddha is the awakened one, the awake attention, mindful. These are these are words, yes, but they're they're also you know, they're they're the clue to what to the way of practice, to the path, to the eightfold path. Paying attention. Isn't it? Watching and listening, contemplating, reflecting. He uh, gave very good teachings on how to do this. The four foundations of mindfulness, the the, the, the Four Noble Truths, the Paticca Samuppa, they're very uh, skillful. They're, they're, but they're not, uh, if not used, then of course they you know, I'm someone who understands the Four Noble Truths. <laughs> Something like that, you can, you can, uh, you can attach to the idea that you are somebody who knows the Four Noble Truths and not see the 
the, the, what you're actually doing. I'm someone that's penetrated the Paticca Samuppada. I know it now. Fully understand it. An expert. People do that, don't they? They've got views about that they've, that they've attained something or they understand things. But one can also observe that the feeling that I understand something or that I am somebody who has attained things. They still can get beyond, beyond that one. So, through, the, through, the, through that metaphor of the island, the, that place that you cannot get beyond, but it has no name, can only be known, only be realized, but cannot be found as an object. It's not a, it's not a, not an object, it is very, uh, center. There is an island, an island that you cannot go beyond. It's a place of non-attachment, non-possession, of no thing. So these are the these are the pointers. These are the clues to the path. You've got to you've got to find that, or be that. Realize these are like words like realize it become very meaningful, more meaningful than find, or find something that's separate. But reality, realization, is, <clears throat> is waking up to the reality of here and now. Realization is, is if you find something, that means it's, there's still a sense of separateness, and uh, I am somebody who lost something and has now found it. But the realization, say, that word realization is like awakening to reality. Like it's here all the time, which you don't notice is you're asleep, and you wake up, and then you realize. So, I offer this for your reflection, for this evening.